Rod. I went to Arizona State. Rod. I'm a Sun Devil, man. State of the Sun Devils from Arizona Sports with Jesse Morrison, Jeremy Schnell, and Jake Anderson. Hello and welcome into another edition of State of the Sun Devils alongside Jake Anderson and Jesse Morrison. I'm Jeremy Schnell. Week two of the Sean Aguano era starts off with a bang, Jesse. USC. Are you excited? I'm not for the game, but I'm excited for another college. I'm excited for Sean Aguano. There you go. You got it right there. I'm very excited for Sean Aguano. We'll get to that in a minute. But I'm not excited for the game because I think it'll be a pretty similar result to what we saw last week. Jake, I'm going to ask the same question. Are you excited? I mean, I'm always... This is a chance to get back on track and be great. I mean, it's not the opponent you would want to play (laughs) or the location where you would want to play. But we knew it going in. He's going to have three tough opponents back to back to back. Obviously, the first one did not go... The way we would have wanted it to as uh, former Arizona State Sun Devils ourselves. But, I mean, it's not like it's surprising. It's not unrealistic. And I, I think this weekend will will be uh, a little bit more of the same of what we saw against Utah. I'm excited because I think ASU is going to win. That's right. You did You did predict that preseason. A lot has gone down since then. And, and it, I think even for me that predicted this team to go 4-8, and eight, a lot worse team than I expected. I don't... I I don't see this team starting one and five. I think they get a second. They got to get a second win here somewhere. Hold on, and I know obviously Herm is gone, but if this team would have beaten Eastern Michigan and was going into this game two and two instead of one and three, do we really feel even going into Utah would we have felt any different? I still think we would have all selected Utah to win. Yeah, and then take out the preseason uh, predictions. Even then, I mean. Did we ever think that ASU was going to win this game? Not, I mean, Jeremy did, but <laughs> not. No, I, I never thought they would. I think this is a brutal stretch of games. I would say, last week, would you have expected Validate to only run for thirty yards? So the yard count is not necessarily what astounded me about the Utah game. It's how little they ran the football. Period. How many it, times did Nagata touch the ball? I believe it was nine times. And uh, no, Nagata. Yeah. No, Nagata ran the ball once. Yes, that's what I was at. Yeah, and because then, I, I I wanted that as like a... Yeah, he yeah. ran the ball once, and the next Valaday had eight or nine carries. So, I mean, they didn't even... Eight, yeah. They didn't even try to establish the run game. Like, they... I mean, granted, we, we, we talked about it, getting behind the chains, and it's just going to affect you throughout the game, because you're getting deeper and deeper, and you're going to have to throw, and maybe that was what Iguana was alluding to when he said he wanted to be more yeah. more aggressive, but... I mean, you can't abandon the run altogether, especially when the team was designed to be a run-first, play-action team. Yeah, and especially since Iguano, he was the running backs coach until recently, his last week. So I would expect the team to start to run the ball a little bit more, and I think the Sean Iguano will start to put his stamp onto this team a little more as he gets more comfortable at that head coaching position, as he learns the college football game. Because again, remember, he was a head high school coach for a long time at Chandler. So, I mean, he's got to still learn a bunch of the intricacies of being a college football coach. So I expect the team to run the ball a little bit more. And I think Sean Iguano will probably emphasize that this week, Jesse. I think he's been already putting his stamp on the program. 
And, you know, I think a lot of people are going to make fun of him because he's a high school coach or he was a high school head coach. And that's really his only other high uh, head coaching experience. But, you know, for me, that's kind of the kind of the guy you want right now at this team. I think he's already been been showing that this week. Uh, We don't know which player it was, but, you know, he showed up. There was a player that showed up late for practice and he sent him home. So, you know, I think that Aguano's already kind of doing the things that, you know, maybe you would expect out of a high school coach. And I think that's what this team needs. Maybe it's kind of an, a, an, a correction of like kind of the exact opposite. Herm's NFL guy, he kind of expected his players to be more or less professionals. Aguano's in here, recognizes that, you know, it's not, I know they can make money off of NIL and stuff, but they're not, they're still not quote unquote professional athletes. So, you know, I think that Aguano's kind of correct is, at the moment, kind of correcting what kind of went, or just Herm didn't pay attention to and stuff. Uh, before we get go any further, I want to remind everyone, uh, coming up in a little bit, we're going to talk to Evan Desai. He's uh, the site expert from Raina Troy. He's going to give us a little inside on, uh, on what USC is going to bring to the table on Saturday. Um, Jesse... Overall, I want to hear because you've been telling me you're all in on Sean Aguano. What I am? What 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 made you all in on Sean Aguano this week? Okay, so I'm going to set this up by just kind of doing a blanket statement for football in the valley. So when we've seen these teams that play in the valley do the same thing over and over again, like you know these slow starts to the games by the cardinals or the penalties by ASU i just haven't heard what i want to hear from herm edwards or cliff kingsbury about how they are actually fixing what is going wrong what are they actually doing i want to hear yeah they'll just say we're going to look at the yeah, tape yeah we're going to look better. at the tape we're going to get better that's yeah. that's what that's what we hear and i'm i'm so tired of that I'm tired of I'm tired of that because that doesn't that doesn't give me anything. Tell me Just, what specifically. Tell you me think what is wrong. specifically you think is wrong, and what are you getting better at? And when Sean Aguano was talking about how they are fixing things, he gave a little bit of an of a different answer, which I will play here. Again, we need attention to detail on a lot of things. Um, we had a couple moments that I thought, um, from a schematic standpoint, our guys didn't understand um, from a protection standpoint where things are coming from um, that we need to make sure that we, we change up. But uh, there's a lot of stuff that, from an in-game um, perspective, that we are paying attention to detail. I'm giving our guys more meeting time for teaching. I think that is an, uh, and correction. You know, sometimes we only have a certain amount of time to make those corrections, but it's important for us to go back and make those corrections and teach more than uh, having more plays on the field without going back and reflecting on that part of it. And so I'm holding our, our coaches accountable to make sure that they're concise with their meetings and making sure that there's corrections made so kids understand what they're doing wrong and not letting those things go on and on. Are you okay? I, I, You're looking up to the heavens. Like I'm that. just looking up to the heavens. Like it's it's just it's it's like it's just music to my ears. It's it's amazing to hear somebody say how they are going to actually fix things and, and accountability and, and, and accountability and how they're changing things up and doing <laughs> things differently in practice. It's so nice to hear. Am I right or am I right? And you're right. But something that I liked that I heard there as well as him talking about that they want to teach these guys. Yes, everybody forgets that. 
They're college students. They're still learning. And Iguano's a former teacher as well. Oh, yeah, I get that. But I'm saying these these are college students. Todd Gambo's these, wife. <laughs> yes, we've heard. Gambo will tell you that every time we talk about Sean Iguano. But I wanted to I wanted to emphasize that because I think that that's important to understand that kids will make mistakes. Yes, and it did, they're college students. And it, but also, it didn't seem like there was much teaching being done under Herb. It seemed like these you know four star recruits would just get here and they wouldn't get any better. And then you look at somebody like Utah who brings in like a two star or a three star, and then they coach those guys up. Yeah, but. You have a guy who's Kyle Whittingham, who's been at Utah since 1994. He's been the head coach. This is his 18th season. I mean, in terms of what ASU has had coaching wise, just in the time Whittingham's been there, like you don't have the continuity. You don't have the same. I mean, think about how many head coaches we're going through now, and they make their changes. Right? It's not like there's a, a culture that's been built that everyone understands at Utah what they're doing. At ASU, obviously, we've had to have. I mean, this is what. This is a third head coach since in the last decade, right? If you include Erickson, like that's the fourth. Like it, it, it keeps changing. Cutter, like, yeah, but, but somebody's I mean, got to start a foundation. Am I right? No, no, you're you're right in that regard. But I'm saying when you when you compare it to the best of the best, it's it's hard to because it just it's not something that can easily but could be a, built. Could Aguano be the next Whittingham? You never know. You never know. You never know. And you hope. here's my thing. Here's my thing. I'm just going to come out and say it. You know, in our reaction to to Herm's uh, leaving the de- yeah, departure. departure, in our reaction to the the departure Mutually of Herm Edwards, parting of ways. Yes, and the and the reaction of that, I said that ASU needs to go out and get a big time head coach. Here's my thing. I'm going to say this. I don't know if they're going to be able to do that. I don't know how desirable this job is. So maybe, maybe instead of getting somebody that is. You know, one of these big name Urban Meyer types who's going to come in and, you know, yeah, build a winning program, but leave a lot of, you know, leave a lot in, in uh, of a trail in the in the way of that. Uh, you know, I think that maybe you know you hang on to somebody like a Sean Aguano who's actually going to care about Arizona State and recruiting Arizona kids and developing players maybe that's the maybe that's the formula maybe the formula isn't trying to go out and get even somebody like Herm Edwards is just some big name not a big name maybe just build the program from literally scratch from the ground up they'll have a few bad years but they will get better and then the recruits will start coming sleeping and, giant and then and then it and then the sleeping giant will actually be turned into more than just a sleeping giant be the, an awake giant imagine an awake giant the uh, recruiting Arizona kids is actually the reason why, again, like I said last week, I'm speculating, I'm not reporting anything here, but the reason why they chose Aguano, in my opinion, is because, A, his history here as a Chandler high school coach and then head coach, and he brought them to the absolute top. He knows the system, he knows the kids here, so that's the big one with no idea who the head coach is going to be next year. You can save recruiting a little bit for this year, because if you... We're trying to still recruit. Every kid could literally say to you, "Well, you're not. You don't even know if you're going to be the head coach next year." But at least at this point, it's this is your home state. You want to stay home. X, Y, Z. Give all the reasons. The other aspect of it for me is Glenn Thomas and and Donnie Henderson have been the two coordinators, and they're basically making all the decisions in terms of what's happening. Like, yeah, Herm and Aguano probably 
give their final say if they don't approve of it. If it's third and one, they want to run a play action. He's going to be like, no, let's run it here. Like He can override there. But when it comes to the everyday stuff, I think the reason why you didn't see the coordinator get promoted is they already have so much on their plate, and then you still have Marvin Lewis and Brian Billick to help you out. right? I mean, that's literally what their titles are. It's like assistant to the head coach, and then Brian Billick is the, like the special team, or not special team, he's the uh, offensive analyst. It's like the uh, the office. Yeah, assistant to, to the regional manager. To the regional assistant manager, yeah. to the head coach. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think it was just giving a guy to be the head coach who could do it, didn't have too much on his plate like the coordinators did. I, I just think that would have put the team in in a in a not advantageous uh, situation, and then possibly you know you get to the point at the end of the year, it's well, are you going to make Len Thomas your head coach? Are you going to make Donnie Henderson your head coach? Are you going to demote him? Whereas demoting Aguano back to the running backs coach, if the next head coach is not him and decides to keep him, I don't think that would be as big of an issue or big of a deal. If nothing changes for the rest of the season, if there's still a lot of bad penalties. And, you know, it just doesn't look like the team has improved. The players haven't improved. It's the same thing. Then, yeah, maybe go find an outside coach. But as of now, based off of what he is saying, I know talk is cheap, but based off of what he is saying, I'm all in on Sean Aguano for the time being. What's what's the minimum win total got to be? I don't care about wins. It's going to be two wins. or three this year. I, I don't care about wins at all. If they don't win another game, I just want to yeah. see them get what better. What if it's competitive? That, that's, yeah, that's what that's, Jesse wants. That's, that's, yeah. that's what I want. Yeah. Com- competitive, the player's getting better. That's what I want to see. I, I want to hear a couple things from you, Jake. I want to hear what you... did. You you went to practice on Monday, correct? You saw... Well, press conference, they don't have practice on Mondays. Oh, okay. So you didn't you didn't get to see any practice this week at all? No. Okay. So, disregard. Um, I want to hear what you, what you saw from the players that you talked to and also Aguano and what you've seen throughout the past couple weeks and just kind of the vibe from the guys. So I can go back to the first week that Iguana took over and then Iguana speaking to us this week. We also spoke to Donnie Henderson as well. Obviously, practices changed. You heard Jesse talk about how if someone is late, they're not going to participate in practice. Um, Things have changed. I mean, we we Gambo's reporting that it was a defensive starter. Well, that's not good. Um, We're already down some of those. With a, we, we need to get into that. We will get into that. I'll just mention it right now. Both the Keon and Kiwan Markham twin brothers are no longer... That was going to be my follow-up. ...are no longer with the team or are away from the team. That is what Iguano told us and is the reason why they... Uh, did not play, although they were in street clothes on the sidelines um, against Utah. Um, he said that was a personal thing. Um, but yeah, it's it's just the difference in energy. It's the upbeat tempo. It's the this is not the same as under Herm. There are going to be there are new rules like you're not walking at practice. Like you're always running. Guys were actually tired from it. I mean, that's always what it was like when I was playing high school or middle school sports you weren't walking on the field and uh, I, I, we, we've seen at the nfl level more right these you know veteran days off no padded practices etc etc trying to take guys easier on the body and maybe iguano just has a more old school mentality of this is my way or the highway and he actually did say that to the sidelines because he did hear guys moaning and complaining and like what are we doing here and it's like i'm the head coach now and if that's the style of coach you like then that's the style of of uh, coach iguano is going to be they were groping each other. <laughs> I gotta mark that. 
Anyway. Um, <laughs> all right. Jesse, get it together. Three, two, and one. Yep. So we talked about the Markham brothers. We talked about practice. Now let's get to the game at hand. Um, game in hand? At hand? Which one is it? Game at hand? Which one is it, Jesse? I, I Tell don't know. Me. Game in game in hand. Oh, it's a game in hand when hockey teams It'd be at hand yeah. because we're it's here in hand means it's still coming. Yeah. Apparently, it, it, somebody wants uh, to put five hundred and seventy five thousand dollars on the game to win tw- twelve to win twelve dollars or twelve thousand twelve thousand. You know, I said thousand already, Jeremy. And I was saying in the. In, 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 <laughs> Quickly, I was saying in the office that if you have the money to put five hundred thousand dollars on the game, why do you care about the twelve thousand dollars that's coming back? Anyway, um, USC they play them this week. Uh, top twenty-five in total offense, uh, number sixty-three in total defense, um, but they're very good at taking the ball away. Um, and we've seen a little problem with turnovers and. Also, the fact that ASU has had a lot of three and outs, especially to start the second half of last week and to start the first half of last week's game against Utah. So I'm just I'm worried about not necessarily the defense in this game because I like I, I think the game against Eastern Michigan was kind of a fluke for the defense. I don't think I think they're pretty pretty good, pretty a pretty good defense that can stop. Uh, very many offenses in this country, I, if, if if healthy, if and when they're healthy, I'm worried about the offense. I'm worried about being able to move the ball. I'm worried about turnovers, especially Emory Jones and his decision-making. Well, now, he said he was very sped up last week, which is okay, but he's got to make quick decisions. And when he makes those quick decisions, when you're thrown to a six foot eight wide receiver slash tight end, you got to make that throw and put it where only he can catch it. I'm very worried about this game for a lot of reasons. Um, yeah, I think turnovers could be an issue in this game. Uh, obviously, Caleb Williams, I know he hangs on to the ball too much, but I don't think you're going to find too many better quarterbacks in the country. I think he's a top five, if not top three, if not the best quarterback in the country. It's it's Williams, it's Stroud, it's Bryce Young. That's kind of your conversation as far as best quarterbacks in the country this year. Um, so, I mean, yeah. I just think, you know, ASU's defensive backfield is very depleted. And you also have Will Levis too at Kentucky. Roe Torrance and Ed Woods are back. Yeah, yeah, but you know that's what I said. I, I think this defense just needed to get healthy. But really. still, the, the Markham brothers aren't there um, right now. But the Soli brothers are there. They're linebackers. Um, but you know, I I am just a bit concerned with facing Caleb Williams. I think this could be one of those games where he just goes out there and balls, throws like five tutties. Yeah, I think it. Could, I think yeah, tutties. Uh, I think it could be. It could be a rough, rough one for ASU yet again. However, I mean, I do think they're going to score a little bit more than they did last week and be able to move the ball a little bit more. Utah's defense is top notch. USC's defense is fine, not as good as Utah's. So I think that they'll be able to move the ball a little bit more. They'll score some points, but they will not be able to keep up with USC's offense. Jake, uh, just quick, what are like a, a key for an ASU upset in this one? What, do you, what would you say? It's going to have to be what classic Herm Edwards football was. Run the ball, bleed the clock, do not turn the ball over. you got to force turnovers and do not shoot yourself in the foot with penalties. 
Uh, we're going to quickly head over and interview Evan Desai. He's the site expert for Reign of Troy. He's going to give us a little insight on what to expect from this Trojan offense and defense. Uh, we'll be back in just a little bit. And we're joined now by Evan Desai, site expert for Reign of Troy. How you doing, Evan? Hey, I'm chilling, man. What's going on with you? We're good. We're good over here. Uh, coming off uh, three losses, so not great in that area. <laughs> but um, yeah. you guys are number six in the country right now. I, I should say you're the team that you cover is number six in the country right now. But mm-hmm. a, a little weird on the offensive side last week against Oregon State. Obviously a little hostile envi- environment. Never want to go to Corvallis. Never uh, want to go to Corvallis. Never, I, I hate when I see Corvallis on the schedule, I, I wince every time. But uh, what happened with the offense last week? I know you guys came away with the victory. Just just uh, take me through what you saw. And, you know, what happened to me is that, you know, we kind of abandoned the running game when we really should have been kind of pressing with the running game. You know, uh, Travis and I started off the game with, I believe, a 36-yard rush, and we immediately just kind of started dropping back and chucking it. And the reality was Oregon State's defense is playing really physical on the receivers, but not, you know, too physical to the point where they were getting calls, uh, you know, pass interference calls. And, you know, on top of that, the the line, of, the offensive line, I don't feel I did a good job protecting Caleb. And so, one of Caleb's problems is he holds the ball on too, he holds onto the ball too long. <laughs> we know about that. I kind of saw a lot of that kind of come back up, and I saw him kind of looking for plays that weren't there, and kind of losing a little bit of confidence as the game was going on. So, offense was kind of all out of whack last week. So I, what I wanted to t- talk to you about is Caleb Williams. You know, he's coming in with all these expectations. Uh, has he lived up to those so far? And, um, you know, what can ASU do to, you know, maybe limit him a little bit? So I think he definitely has lived up to the expectations so far. I mean, you take a look at this team. You're saying, you know, this is a 4-8 team from last year. He's coming in with kind of all these new faces around him, right? You know, all these new transfers. There were 20 transfers this offseason. And, you know, he's kind of trying to gel together this team and this offense, and there's a lot of weight put on his shoulders. So I think, you know, he's got over 10 yards and adjusted, over 10 adjusted yards per attempt this year, nine tutties, 11 on the ground, and no picks. I think he's definitely had a great year. But the thing is, so last year at Oklahoma, if you might remember, he, he took a while to throw, he took a while when it came to holding on to the ball and his time to throw. It was uh, 3.51 seconds. Uh, his average time to throw. This year it's 3.28, so that's better, but that's actually last in the country. Last year it was bottom three in the Power Five. This year that's the worst in the country. So what I think ASU's really got to try to do is it, it's kind of twofold. I think they got to try to be physical um, when it comes to defending the pass catchers. But the problem with that is that in the Pac-12, pass interferences are called all the time. <laughs> so it's kind of tough when you're dealing with these Pac-12 refs. If you want to be physical, you could get to them right at the right time, but if you're just a tad bit, maybe a hair early or something like that, the other conferences, they may not call that. In the Pac-12, they call it. So what it's going to come down to, I think, is really kind of trying to set the tone of the line of scrimmage, really kind of trying to get him uncomfortable, get him to see things that aren't there. Um, and you'll potentially force him to kind of try to do that thing where he runs around a little bit too much and he's looking for something, and it just comes out to be really, you know, no gain on a rush, or maybe he's throwing the ball away or Maybe just throwing the ball at somebody's feet like we saw, unfortunately, last week. He's a great quarterback, but I do think there is somewhat of a blueprint to where you can kind of try to game plan to stop him. Hey, Evan, this is uh, Jake Anderson. I'm a uh, beat reporter for Arizona State. You mentioned the transfers. Obviously, ASU's had a ton of them, but one of them that went over to USC is Eric Gentry. Um, he's definitely a big loss on the defensive side of the ball for Arizona State. What has he brought to the Trojans this year on defense? 
man, he's <laughs> he's brought a he's brought a seven one wingspan to the middle of the field as a middle linebacker. Um, it's really tough for the quarterback, especially if they're a little bit on the shorter side, like we saw a couple weeks ago against Fresno State with Jake Hayner. You know, it's hard to throw over a guy who's just rolling in the middle of the field at six six. You know. He has that length. It's ridiculous. He can get to all kinds of spots on the field. And, you know, like last week, you know, you saw him pick off a pass, and you also saw him tip that game-winning interception. You saw him tip two passes on the last drive. The game-winning interception USC had against Oregon State was off of a tip pass by him. So he's kind of everywhere on the field. It's not just him, you know, racking up tackles in the running game. It's also what he is in terms of kind of altering what the offense wants to do in the passing game, getting his hand on footballs, intercepting footballs, you know, that length is just so valuable. And obviously, you know, hopefully he'll, you know, potentially gain some weight to where he'll just be kind of very tall, obviously, and also just a giant in terms of his bulk and everything. But he's obviously already a really good player right now. You guys know that. And uh, USC, you know, I've been happy to see that too. Hey, Evan. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about what you said about Caleb Williams holding onto the ball a little bit. I think two things when you say that. I think about, um, you know, trying to get pressure to him, which ASU only has – two sacks this season so probably not going to happen uh and i also think about the fact that maybe that could be a good thing maybe he's able to read a defense not like a lot of quarterbacks in college football can do so have you seen him be able to read a defense and kind of decipher what uh what the defense is trying to do i actually had that that's kind of that interesting thing glad you brought that up because like you know a lot of times when he goes for the home run, obviously like last week, you know, we didn't really see a lot of great things happen in the passing game. But there have also been times in, in his short USC career so far, but also at Oklahoma last year, where he kind of went for the home run on every play. Like like Texas, the Texas game last year against Oklahoma when he came in for Spencer Rattler, and he was dropping dimes all over the field. Like he was going for the big plays and he was connecting seemingly every time. So when he's on – He's on, and, and like you said, he kind of is able to read and kind of find those great opportunities to have the big play. Um, so, yeah, that is kind of a tricky thing when you're defending Caleb Williams. That's why he's so great. Um, you know, the, the goal, I guess, is kind of be a catch him on an off day, kind of do what you can, kind of get him uncomfortable. I thought the Beavers did a good job last week, and, you know, we'll see what, see what ASU can do. Evan Desai of Reign of Troy, the site expert over there, joining us on State of the Sun Devils. Evan, so, you know, it's definitely not been talked about as the strength of USC, but what have you seen on the defensive side this year from the Trojans? Are, are they maybe better than some people think they are? Basically, I've seen a very opportunistic defense in the sense that, you know, they've already forced 14 turnovers, that leads the country, three pick sixes, that leads the country. And um, the interesting thing is USC hasn't turned the ball over on offense. That plus 14 turnover margin is number one in the nation. I think that they're a defense that, sure, they're, they're not even top 25 in points allowed, but it's, they're still giving up under 20 points a game. And I think that just the fact they're able to kind of set the offense up for so many more possessions is huge. Because, you know, when you're playing in a, in a fast, you're, you're playing defense for a team that has an offense that's very fast-paced, like a Lincoln-Riley offense. You know, a lot of people say, oh, it's hard to defend. You know, the defense can't catch a break. But the interesting thing about it is they're kind of being able to get off the field, even when they unfortunately let the other team march down by forcing turnovers. They've even done that when the other team's in the red zone, like I said, kind of making up for some drives they kind of caused to be a little bit too long from their offense. They're just able to kind of create so many opportunities and new drives for, their, for USC's offense. I think that's really kind of their bread and butter, what they want to do the rest of the season, if they really want to kind of be – you know, back as a USC program. Sounds like uh, ASU is going to have so much success. 
<laughs> why why would you say that sarcastically? Uh I mean, turnovers seem seem to be an issue recently. Recently, <laughs> the past couple of games, you know. Uh, Evan, I want to ask you a question that's more big picture, more future looking, just because the two trajectories for you know the two respective programs that we cover are just complete opposites. At least that's what it seems like to me. Obviously, ASU's in the middle of an NCAA investigation with whatever that's going to end up being, and you know we got guys that have left 43 new players I can go on and on but from USC's perspective obviously the last you know 10-15 years haven't been the USC that you know we all grow up grew up watching so with Lincoln Riley here now with NIL with going to the Big Ten in a couple years where do you see USC going I mean is it going to be back like when they had Pete Carroll Matt Leiner and Reggie Bush like those days I actually do think it'll get to that level because you know there's a diff- so like when when USC was for instance like with Clay Helton in, in those, those you know last however many Clay Helton years, USC wasn't getting the best players in the country. They were getting good enough players to win, of course. Like the rosters wasn't necessarily the problem, but there's a difference between getting good enough players to win and getting the kind of classes that Pete Carroll used to get in his sleep. You know when you're getting just top five classes, top three classes, whatever it was every single year. When you have Lincoln Riley, who's not only an, an, as elite of a recruiter as he is, a guy who's proven to do it in Oklahoma, you bring him to arguably the top hotbed in the country in Southern California when it comes to high school talent, he's going to be able to get whoever he wants by, what, year two or three? And he's already, as they call the portal king. So, you know, as far as bringing in the best rosters, he's going to be that guy to do that. And then you look at just what he's been able to do in his career as far as on the field, and he's never had more than two losses in a season. He's won a Power Five conference every year he's coached except one year. He's gone in the playoff three times. You know, he made Oklahoma even better than what they were. And so I'm looking at him coming to a program that's had even better, you know, historic tradition than Oklahoma. And I absolutely think he can bring him back. He's, like you said, he's going to be going to a big board conference in a couple of years. I think he's ready. I think he's already done a remarkable job. And you count that this is just four weeks and, you know, Five weeks ago, you know, the last last week of last season, they were four and eight. I just think it's been such a tremendous turnaround that he can really kind of make a lot out of this program. Last one before we let you go, Evan. How do you see ASU trying to pull off the upset here? What what do you think they need to do quickly? I really think it's going to be about forcing Caleb Williams out of the pocket, try to get him to do too much, try to have him take a few risks, and then on offense. I think it's going to be about riding the talent that they do have. So meaning that Emory Jones is going to have to kind of be that dual threat guy that we know he can be, that kind of explosive big play guy that everyone knows he can be. Funnel some passes, funnel a lot of opportunities as you can, as much as you can to Elijah Badger to kind of use his talent. And I need at least one kickoff return touchdown from Daniel Ngata, who's seventh right now in kickoff returns in the country. Yeah, we saw him at the uh, at the end of the first half last week. Take one pretty far. Mm-hmm. So hopefully you're hopefully you're right there, and hopefully we we get that we get to see that from ASU this week. Evan Desai from Raina Troy, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully uh, on our end we're happy. And uh, <laughs> I I heard that you went to ASU. So what's the deal here? How do you, how do you do on on what do you do on Saturday? Oh, man, I don't know. Uh, you know. I'm covering USC now for a fan page, so I'll be leading USC, but uh, I always have love for ASU. Always will, man.
USC fan growing up, but you know, after going to ASU, you know, I got love for both teams. I'm able to do it. Full disclosure, Jeremy preseason picked ASU to win this game. Yeah, he I did. He thinks they're going to win. Yeah. I'm jumping into a pool with all of my clothes well, uh, on if well, they do. Evan, you would know. I mean, you went to ASU. You know they win a game they're not supposed to, and then they lose a game they're not supposed to. And they already lost the game they weren't supposed to. They lost the game they weren't supposed to. It's not happening. So, so the game, it's either against Washington or USC. 45 to 21. <laughs> Well, you're not supposed to give your prediction yet, Jesse. I did it. I did it already. Whatever. <laughs> I violated the rule. Evan, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we'll, we'll see you soon, man. Thanks, man. Thanks, Evan. Yeah, thank you, guys. Later. Um, thanks again to Evan Desai for uh, joining us. He, again, is the site expert for Reign of Troy. A uh, lot of good stuff there. And, Jesse, you also brought it up earlier in the show about Caleb Williams holding on to the ball and Now's a better, the best time to finally start to get some pressure on these quarterbacks. Again, only two sacks this season, so I'd really like to see that from the Sun Devils. This yeah, week at least, at least two sacks would be nice. Equal the total from <laughs> yeah. the season coming in in this game. That, that'd be that'd be a positive we can take care. Of. We're looking or. We saw how much that affected Emory Jones, getting sacked five times, twice on the opening three plays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it definitely, the, the Utah sacked ASU on the same amount of times ASU has gotten sacks this year on the opening drive. You just made me think, <laughs> realize that, uh, Jake, so thank you. That makes me just giddy to you know move along with my the rest of my day today. <laughs> Congratulations, Jesse. You realize that we... Uh, how many times did Emory get sacked in the entire game? Do we know? Five. Five. Okay. And there was two QB hits, so he got hit seven times on pass plays. That does not include his runs. Well, his at least his receivers uh, run routes, as Kyler Murray said, that his teammates just stopped running this week. <laughs> um, that, was, that was fun. Um, anyway, I want to get to predictions real quick. Uh, Jake, we'll start with you. You took USC to win this game before the season started. Has that changed, Jake? It's pretty much even more solidified. <laughs> if you want to score, I don't know, 38-21. That's his prediction like three times this year, I think. you got, <laughs> you got to come with up with a different you, you one. You got ASU scoring 21 points after they scored 13 last week? Well, we just said they don't have as good of a defense. Yeah, I, I got to But they take the ball away. They're sixth in the country. I'm very I close. Mean, they had ASU turned the ball over three times against Utah. 13 points. I am. So you turn it over less? Maybe two times? Maybe you get that 20th. I'm very close to Jake, though. 45 to 21, as I said in the interview. I broke a rule. I'm sticking with what I said before the season. What's I'm, the score, though? 24 17. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do I'll do more of a uh, a Burns and Gambo prediction. It's USC by a lot. <laughs> <laughs> what what's wrong? It just you think that ASU in, is is limiting USC's offense to 17 points? Hey. Like I least, mean, Oregon, Oregon State, State did it. Oregon State did it. Okay, but that's they're better in Corvallis. They're never, better. You never want to go to Corvallis. Never, yeah, that's different. <laughs> Corvallis is a whole different animal. <laughs> It's it, they're home. They're not scoring seventeen points. It's a ridiculous take. I do want to ask the listeners. They scored seventeen last week. I do want to ask the listeners one question, and it's regarding this lunch bet that Jesse still hasn't paid up on. <laughs> That'll happen. He is claiming that. Wait, go in a, in a. We've decided on Chipotle. We'll put this on a poll as well on our Twitter at AZ Sports Devils. We decided on Chipotle 
And Jesse is trying to make the argument that guac does not come with it. Like, no. I, I understand if it was it's like... It's usual order. I understand if it was like you can't do like doubles of everything. That's a little re- unrealistic. I will show you my favorite order on the Chipotle app that I've ordered a billion times. It has no extras. Not the, sponsored. The only thing... It's not payola. The only thing that you're against is adding Chipotle or adding... Uh, uh, guacamole on it. Actually, add, add all of the Chipotle Tabasco that you want because that's free. It's going to get delivered. Also not you're, a not, you're not even going to pick it up. I mean, it, we're literally, I don't. Jesse's just going to keep like pushing back and like at, at, at one point you're just going to get a tortilla. At some point you're just going to get a tortilla. <laughs> not even. You're going to get the side taco <laughs> that they give you. The side taco a, a, tortilla. And a cup of water. <laughs> not even Sprite in it. No, just actual just water. water. Just <laughs> <laughs> we'll put this on the poll again at AZ Sports Devils if you want to vote on the polls. Uh, basketball schedule came out today for men's. Yeah. Yeah. For the men's team. Yeah. I mean, it looks like it'll be a decently easy schedule, I think, until you get to Pac-12 play. Here's the thing. I've seen schools that I've never heard of before. Um... And I get scared when I see of schools I've never uh, heard of. No, before. I don't, because normally those are twenty point victories for ACU. But I, I mean, I get scared though. I'm not too concerned about the non conference schedule. But what I am, what uh, San Francisco is good. It, yeah, that one, that one is a good, is one that I am a bit worried about. But we, we need to, we need to talk about what the conference is doing as far as scheduling rivalry games. What what is going on? Why is ASU playing their rival? On New Year's Eve, during holiday break, it's going to be mostly U of A fans. No, no, there'll be a good student section for ASU because a lot of ASU f- students, you know, live in the valley. But right, still, we'll be there though, right? Yeah, we'll be there. But uh, you know, it's not. It's not, not as, as covering it. But yeah, we'll be covering it. But it's not going to be the game that it could be. Why don't they do? A home and home weekend where there's a Thursday game against U of A in Tucson, and there is a Saturday game in Tempe. It doesn't make any sense to me. Just or flip or vice versa. You know, it just why are they making this a game during holiday break? It's that limits the out of state students' abilities to go to. In my opinion, the best sporting event at ASU is the men's basketball game at home against. U of A. This is a the, question the best for George crowds. K. Pac-12 commissioner. I want to talk to him. George Klyovkov. I want to talk I'm, to him. I want to ask, to, I want to ask him what, what his decision making is on putting a game that's like one or two weeks away from when the students come back. Again, I need to figure out how to run this board so I can just turn off his mic whenever I want. What, what is I, wrong? Again, you let him on that side every what, time. What is, oh, I am the radio producer here. <laughs> but but what, is, what, what is wrong anyway, with my, my, biggest, my take? My biggest takeaway is I'm worried about the final three games of the season. Oh yeah, those are those Arizona are at Arizona at UCLA at USC. They, they might could need, be. They might need to win could, one of those to get in the tournament. Yep. No, Jesse. They could lose all. Th- they could lose all three of those and back their way into the Pac-12 tournament. That would be scary. Sneaky five or six seed in the Pac-12 tournament. Yeah, but you don't want to lose the last three games of your season. No, but but like th- that. That's that's. It's not good. You, you need to you need to see the ball go through the hoop. I think this will be like a four team <laughs> bid in the. I mean, like the Pac twelve will get four teams into the NCAA tournament. When's the rematch against Washington State? <laughs> We're gonna be there. Wazoo, January fifth. We're gonna be there. Hopefully, 
Hopefully we're going to How many points? And, and guess what? what? The students won't be there either. 27 points? But, but I'm less mad about that. I'm more mad about the fact that they're putting a rivalry game during holiday break. A- am I right? Like, is Am I right about this being stupid? It's not fun. If I had to guess... 29 points, by the way. was how many, that, That's how many points they scored in that one. If I had to guess, it's purely just because of TV and they want something on the New Year's Day. I'm sure New they Year's, have sorry, tons of New games. Year's Eve day. There's um, tons of yeah. in, in NBA games on New Year's Eve. Yeah. Day. E- New Year's Eve. So this game day. is on New Year's Eve. But it's at 12. There's also bowl games and stuff. I don't like this. I don't like this. Do we have a preseason tournament this year? What's going on there? Yes, it's in uh, Brook. It's in Brooklyn. Oh, the Barclays Center. How's, yes. the, how's that Durant built? Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> how's uh, that Paul Pierce built? No. And Kevin Garnett. <laughs> That's going to do it for State of the Sun Devils. Thanks to Evan Desai for joining and Jason us. Jason Terry. Jason Terry didn't join us. I haven't decided. No, I, I'm uh, saying I, he's I know part it, of the Brooklyn. I was yeah, making yeah, okay. a joke. Okay. Uh, thanks. Uh, Jake Anderson for all of his insight. He's always uh, he's always got all the insight from ASU practice, and he tells us all he, all we need to know about what he sees. And uh, Jesse, what about me? What I do? Because Jeremy won't read what I write, so I gotta tell him <laughs> from the top rope. My gosh, um, Jesse, he does his thing. Yeah, I'm over here, and uh, I just try and mitigate all of this stupidity that we try <laughs> that we do on this show um again that's going to do it for this edition of state of the sun devils thanks so much for listening for jake anderson and jesse morrison i'm jeremy schnell we'll see you after the game on saturday asu gonna win this one yeah okay ciao